your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome everyone to this very late Thursday episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, live low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So, wow. Um, I think I'm finally done sweating so I can record this episode for you all. The Pittsburgh Penguins get a 5-4 victory over the New York Islanders at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, excuse me, in Uniondale to get a 2-1 series lead over the Islanders in this best-of-seven series. It's the first time the Penguins have won two games in a series since 2018. Yes, that was actually the last time they have won um, at least two games in a series. It came against the Washington Capitals when, you know, their reign of terror ended. So much to get into when it comes to this game. This literally had everything, as I said, Am I locked on now? Let's just start with the first period. The Penguins played a perfect road period, I thought, in the first. They came out, jumped on the Islanders, punched them right in the mouth. Um, Those first 10 to 15 minutes um, was classic Penguins hockey. Um, The Islanders crowd at Nassau really didn't have anything going, um, even from the get-go, just because the Penguins, like I said, they punched them in the mouth. Latang scores early. Well, I think the goal was credited to Zach Ashton Reese right after. uh, Just two and a half, three minutes in to get a 1-0 lead in this game, and that set the tone for the rest of that first period. I know the Islanders started playing a lot better during those last five to six minutes. Tristan Jari had to make a lot of key saves. But I thought the Penguins won that period. Um, that was just a very good period overall. Um, Varlamov kind of looked shaky a bit in that period. He, also, he obviously, I don't even think, played that well overall for this game. You know, he allowed five goals, of course. But I didn't really like his game in the first period. But I did love Pittsburgh's game, especially in the first. And just Chris Hang's level of play right now is at such a high level, you know. I understand people are going to shit on him for, like, the, the smallest of small plays every time he makes a little fucking mistake. But the guy is playing some elite hockey right now. This is honestly, I think, the best hockey we've seen Crystal Tang play, especially in the playoffs since 2016, where there was a real case that he could have won the Conn Smythe that year. I mean, he was everywhere tonight. Um, and it's just really awesome to see him continue to play at this high level. Then the second period comes. You could tell that goal from the Islanders was coming from a mile away. Um, the Penguins were just not playing well in the defensive zone. Just really sloppy, I thought. Very uncharacteristic of them um, so far in this series against the Islanders. And you knew there was going to be a big push from the Islanders. They're at home. They have half the crowd at the Coliseum, which, you know, even though they only have half the crowd, it's one of the loudest buildings in the league. In my opinion, it was wasn't nearly as loud as I thought it would be tonight, but it's still a very loud building, and I think that played a little bit of a part where the Penguins just kind of lost their game a bit. Scott Mayfield snipes at top cheese on Tristan Jari. I saw some people really giving it to Jari on that. I 100% disagree with that take. I mean, he was screened in front, I think, by Komarov. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying glove side, bro, glove side, but I mean, I had this discussion, I think, with Wesley Euler on uh, ESPN Pittsburgh when I was went on his show. The people that say this glove side, glove side crap obviously don't watch a lot of other games around the league because almost all of the goals that you see scored in the league 
go glove side. I mean, sure, there's a lot five hole, there's a lot blocker side, but probably 60 to 65% of them go, go glove side. So this really, this glove side thing when it comes to Trish and Jari and then Matt Murray before, this is no different than any other goalie that gives up goals to that side. And we used to see Marc-Andre Fleury give up plenty of goals to his glove side. Hell, Carey Price gives up a ton of goals to his glove side as well. You know, there's really no secret about it. So I'm really just kind of tired of people, you know, harping on Jari just because he allows a few goals to his glove side. You know, a lot of times that is where the puck is going to go because shooters know that that's a really good spot to pick to shoot the puck there. You know, that's it's not just a Trish and Jari thing, people. But I just wanted to get that a little bit off my chest. But the Penguins, as they have done all season long, respond. And that's what happened with Jeff Carter gets his second, well, second of three playoff goals with the Penguins. We'll get to the third one in just a minute. But that second one, what a snipe past Semyon Varlamov to make it two to one right off the far post. And then that really, I think, took the crowd out of it a bit in that second period as, you know, the Islanders are starting to gain some momentum. Pittsburgh comes right back, punches them in the mouth again, and the Islanders are kind of scrambling in the rest in the zone uh, for the rest of the period. And then Jason Zucker gets his first goal of this playoffs. I think this is his second or third playoff goal overall with the Penguins. And, you know, where are all my Jason Zucker haters now? You know, the, the nice Jewish boy, as I like to call him, gets a very awesome playoff goal. And I think the big thing with Jason Zucker, uh, I've also said this on the podcast in case um, you guys are, some of you are, are new to listening to me, is this, you know, he plays hard. This isn't like a Derek Broussard situation where you can kind of tell the player is not trying. You know, he stinks and all this stuff. Like, like he's just not putting in any effort, man. Jason Zucker puts in 110% effort night in and night out. I honestly just think he's just been getting really unlucky, which has him maybe overthinking his game a little bit. But tonight, he was not overthinking it at all. Gets an awesome goal to make it 3-1 to one going into the third period. And that he needed that so badly, I thought. For his confidence. And then for the third period, you know, I'm going to touch a lot on that episode. Um, just overall, you know, that is where all the hell breaks loose. You have Cal Clutterbuck's going to make it 3-2, just about four minutes in. You know, didn't know you can take someone's helmet off and just score a goal right after that. They should have just blow, blown the play dead, which was ridiculous. And then, obviously, all the shit happened, you know. Um, I'm just going to be quite frank with you all here. Um, I'm sorry if I sound like an ass or something. Matt Martin is a goddamn disgrace to the league. Um, he should not be playing. Um, that was a joke to see him just goon it up. And you know, this is what the New York Islanders franchise does, people. I'm sorry if I sound, you know, maybe a little homerish, you know, bias and stuff like this. You know, I was trying to really keep my cool on my Twitter page during the game, you know, and I always try to, you know, give balanced takes. You know, I cover the team. I have to be really careful with what I say, you know, for obvious reasons. You know, I can't, you know, say stuff like I did when I was like 15, 16 years old when, you know, I didn't, I didn't use the platform as much, but um, the stuff that I said when I was 15, 16 years old was pretty bad. Um, I would not have liked to have the podcast at that point. But, you know, again, going back to my point, this is what the New York Islanders franchise does when they are down in hockey games. They goon it up and they try to get you off their game. And that is exactly what Matt Martin did tonight. He is a joke. He is a disgrace. And the fact that like the Penguins were shorthanded after that entire scrum where, you know, Scott Mayfield's throwing punches at Sade. You have Matt Martin, like I said, gooning it up. Cal Clutterbuck is on the ice. You have other Penguin players being wrestled to the ice as well. I mean, I think Brian Dumoulin took a punch there. And the extra penalty was slashing on the Penguins. I'm sorry, Kelly Sutherland. That was a disgraceful officiating effort. 
And again, you know, I'm not surprised because this league's officiating is so bad. You know, there's no bias against the Penguins here. There's no bias for the Islanders or anything like that. That is just how their officiating goes in games like these, and they just don't know how to get the game under control. And that's what the that's what the Islanders' plan was. They wanted to get under the Penguins' skin. They wanted to goon it up because the hockey stuff was not working. Pittsburgh was shutting them down. I know they, they got that goal to make that 3-2, to two, but after that, I thought Pittsburgh was playing a bit better. And then the Islanders start gooning it up again, leads to a power play goal to make it 3-3 from Anthony Beauvillier. And even after that, you have Matt Martin taking runs at John Marino and Sidney Crosby. And it's just like... Like, what are we doing here? I mean, you have Cal Clutterbuck, of all people, who I also think is an absolute joke of a player. I mean, he's running into Tristan Jari. I mean, thanks for the uh, the power play there, because Jeff Carter was able to score his second goal of the night. I'm going to get to that a little bit here in the next segment, and then, of course, the Brandon Tanev stuff. But it's like, I mean, that is what the Islanders franchise has been doing for so many years. It's not surprising, and... It's also not surprising because we've seen this before in a lot of Penguin Islanders games. You know, you go back to 2011. Obviously, this does not come close to that, to that debacle with Trevor Gillies and Michael Haley running around on the ice looking like a bunch of idiots. But, I mean, this was still pretty bad. And, you know, I just, I blame the NHL and their officiating for letting these kind of games get out of control. I mean, there obviously was going to be a makeup call coming for the Penguins just because um, the Islanders scored on that pathetic power play and I even tweeted out I mean this is on you NHL for letting this game get so far out of hand and then the Islanders tie it because they don't understand how to call penalties evenly for both teams so I'm just really sick of it um, I'm glad that Penguins are obviously able to get the win but none of this should have happened in the first place which is that crazy third period you know if the Islanders didn't freaking goon it up and if the refs actually did their jobs but alas, I think I am done with that rant you know the, the, the mantra of just play from Mike Sullivan really shined through there because you know obviously the penguins are not the biggest team they're not going to punch back as you know i'm sure brian burke wants them to do but you know they got through it i know the islanders tied at the end to make it 4-4 and then brandon Tanev was able to finally win the game but that is what the penguins do they just play that's what mike sullivan wants them to do and that's what i think a lot of people in this fan base want them to do you don't need to retaliate go do what the islanders are doing that's not going to work what the penguins did tonight they played through it and now the islanders i think will think twice before trying to goon it up again for a potential game for a game four excuse me uh, on saturday but before we do get to the next segment it's time to talk about rockauto.com a family business suffering auto part customers online for 20 years you can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door best of all prices at rockauto.com always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why should you spend up to twice as much for the same parts, you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, very low prices, all the parts car, your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So we're continuing our talk about the third period, which of course was the wildest period um, of game three between the Penguins and the Islanders. So Jeff Carter gets his second goal of the game on the power play after Cal Clutterbuck decided to be a fool and run Tristan Jari for the sake of running Tristan Jari. And I'll have thoughts on Tristan Jari's game a little bit later on in this episode before we also get to a few listener takeaways ways again, which I know I haven't been doing as much, but I was able to do them um, for the last episode. But Jeff Carter, what a acquisition he has been. He now has 12 goals in 17 games since coming over from the Los Angeles Kings. I mean, I, I thought Jeff Carter was going to be really good for Pittsburgh, but I didn't think we would be getting 
2009 to 2012 version of Jeff Carter where he was scoring at a 35 to 40 goal pace virtually every season that he was in the league, whether it was in Philadelphia or Los Angeles. But um, he was just right there when he needed to be tonight. And he just gives this team a gear that they have not had um, in about four to five years. Just that fourth goal past Varlamov. What a pass from Evgeny Malkin to get that to Carter. I think it was Gino that got it to him. And then Carter was able to come in a little bit short side and fire that right past Varlamov to give the Penguins a lead for a few minutes before um, the Islanders were able to score with less than six minutes remaining. Um, that was mainly just a bad bounce, I think, for Tristan Jari. It went off Cal Clutterbuck in front um, and went past him. I really can't blame Jari for that. I Honestly, if I were Mike Sullivan, I would have challenged that. Uh, but now when I think about it, I'm kind of glad he didn't because if he does that, I don't think Brandon Tanev wins the game there with 3.36 remaining. I honestly thought when Clutterbuck scored that, that the Penguins were going to lose this game. I was like, well, you know, this has either a late regulation loss written all over it or an OT loss, whether it's single overtime, double, triple, quadruple, whatever it is. I just did not think the Penguins were going to win that game. Enter Brandon Tanev, who if you have not seen that video that the Penguins official Twitter account and Facebook, I'm sure put they put it on there in their Instagram, tweeted out yesterday, please go watch it because this guy, I'm 100% convinced, um, does some kind of coke before the game. Um, maybe he uh, gets high or something. I mean, he obviously drinks a lot of Red Bull because he actually does drink Red Bull in the video, but um, he was amped in it. And then you obviously saw with that amazing celebration tonight with 3.36 remaining to give the Penguins the 5-4 lead and then the win. Um, what a player he is. And I really hope that the Penguins do not lose him after the expansion draft. I don't want the Penguins to uh, protect him in the expansion draft because I think the Penguins have uh, more other pressing players that they need to protect for it. Um, but I really hope that Seattle does not take Tanev um, if he is left unprotected. Um, he is so crucial to this team. And I kept saying that, you know, um, these last couple of weeks, I mean, you just don't sleep on, you know, Brandon Tanev is going to make a huge impact when he comes back. And you saw it tonight with that goal with a little over three minutes remaining, just Awesome stuff. The hand-eye coordination to bat that puck out of the air and then just put it past Semyon Varlamov. And, you know, I don't know if Varlamov has a Penguins problem because that's now um, another game this season where he allowed four or more goals. I mean, remember coming into this series, Varlamov was only 898, I think, all situations against Pittsburgh this season. I know he had that really good game in game two after that rough start where he had 43 saves on 45 shots. But tonight, um, giving up five goals, that's not uh, normal for him. I mean, he was one of the best goalies in the league this season. Seven shutouts. I think he was 930, 935 overall. Um, Definitely should get some Vesna trophy consideration since it is a regular season award. It's not a playoff award, as you all know. Uh, but that was definitely not the Semyon Varlamov that a lot of Islander fans are accustomed to seeing this season. Um, and I'll be curious to see if Barry Trotz goes back to him for game four. Or, you know, does he go to Sorokin, who had a really good game one? And honestly, um, low-key kind of stole that game, um, even though Tristan Jarry also lost the game. For the Penguins. And speaking of Tristan Jari, I'll just get to those thoughts right now. Sorry for going off the rails a little bit, everyone. I'm just, you know, a little bit out of breath, and this game was just everything, you know. But Tristan Jari, I know he gave up four goals. I think it was still mostly a decent performance from him. A few of the goals he was really left out to dry, like the first one from Scott Mayfield, really not much he can do there on that screen. The fourth one from Cal Clutterbuck, um, just a bad bounce. The third one, I think he does probably should want back. Um, his stick, I think, is in the wrong place there. Bavillier should not be able to tuck that puck 
um, under his five hole. I didn't really like that goal. Um, the second one, just a nice goal from Clutterbuck. I really don't think he had a chance on that one. But he also made a lot of really key saves in this game. And, you know, the one save that he didn't make, which he was not going to make anyway, you know, Brock Nelson with three minutes left, uh, Sidney Crosby saved the game for the Penguins. If you did not see that replay, go back and watch it. Sid just gets enough of his stick on Brock Nelson to get the puck, fire it basically either high boards or right into the netting. And, you know, uh, if Sid does not put his stick there, that's a 5-5 game and we're going to overtime where uh, I still probably would have thought the Islanders would win 6-5. But um, that obviously did not happen. Great play from Cindy Crosby. I didn't like the Penguins' defensive effort uh, in the third period. You know, I saw some takes that they were turtling. 100% disagree with that. Uh, they were sending two forwards into the attacking zone virtually every time um, they were out there trying to defend the lead. It was just, you know, after the game got out of control because the Islanders decided to unit up, I mean, you know, I think the Penguins just, you know, they, they lost their composure there for a bit just because, you know, the game was just getting out of hand. And, and it's, it's just hard to go back to, you know, doing lockdown defense after something so huge like that happens during the third period of a playoff game. And also, before we do get to our next commercial break, Pierre Maguire, um, if he ever listens to this podcast, uh, I'm just going to send this message to him right now. Shut the hell up when you are just doing a game because this was honestly probably one of his worst games that I've ever heard him call. And that's saying something because this guy uh, does so many bad games throughout the season. And it was just ridiculous to, you know, listen to him talk about analytics. You know, there's no analytic equation for that when talking about um, how the Astros uh, Bluger Tanov line produced that fifth goal or, you know, one of the other goals earlier in the game from Zach Aston Reese, I think was the one that opened it. And it's just like, does he even know what analytics are? I would honestly love to ask Pierre Maguire, like, what do you think analytics are? And I don't think he could give me a good answer. And the funny thing is, you know, the Aston Reese Blue Gertanov line is one of the best defensive lines in the league, even if you don't even look at the numbers. I mean, they are. Obviously, he only uses his eye test because he doesn't like analytics. But if you also look at the numbers, Pierre, um, it backs up your eye test. I just think it's Pierre not wanting to learn something new. Uh, I've been talking about this with Nick Zararis, who I've been half on the podcast so many times. You know, he, he agrees with me. It's just he doesn't want to learn anything new, and he's just stuck in his old uh, past ways. You know, he's obviously loving, you know, that Islanders-Penguin stuff in the third period where there's scrums galore and power plays for both teams. I really don't think he knew what the hell was going on. But just a really rough game from Pierre overall. And there, there were just so many times where I think, you know, I was watching the game with my mom. And, you know, even she was like, just shut the hell up, Pierre. I mean, I think I'm sure a lot of you that listen to this podcast were probably like that um, as well. But, yeah, I just did not really like the way he called the game. I think on Saturday we get a break from Pierre. I believe it's Kenny Albert, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Brian Boucher and Eddie Olchek calling the game. I'd rather have those three calling it than uh, Pierre Maguire. I think even John Forslund during the game was like, okay, Pierre, I really, really think that he had um, – anything to say. But that'll wrap up this segment of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Coming up in the next one, we will get to your listener takeaways to what you thought about this game. Uh, but before we do that, it's time to talk about online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online, and you can get the latest nudes, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. For some reason, I just cannot talk right now, but um, getting back to it, before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up.
sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's better online. You're online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So let's get to the listener takeaways. There are a whole lot that were sent in. I'm going to try to get to everyone here. Frytime says, agree, it was a statement win. The Penguins always had an answer and absorbed the hits and goonery. Hopefully the officials do a better job keeping it under control. Uh, dot, 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 hopefully. Yes, right time. Hopefully for the next game. Um, hopefully also it's not Kelly, Kelly Sutherland calling the game because he just did a atrocious job controlling the game for both sides. But yes, I agree. It was a statement win and they had an answer every time the Islanders tried to hit them, goon it up, whatever they tried to do. Um, Jackson says the last two minutes was the most nervous I have been in a while. Honestly, Jackson, I will agree with that. Um, the last couple of years, you know, the Penguins obviously have not made a deep runs in the playoffs. And the last time they won a series was 2018. This is, I think, the most amped I have been during a playoff series just because I feel like this is the best chance they've had uh, in four years to win another Stanley Cup. So this one just means a lot because it's one of their also their last chances to win in the Sid Gino era. And they, they have a really good shot, I think, this year. And I also think part of it is against the Islanders, you know, who they were embarrassed against. Um, two years ago, but yeah, I was definitely shaking, you know, pacing a bit during those last couple minutes. I really thought the Islanders were potentially going to tie it with some of the defensive effort that I was seeing from the Penguins. Um, Jackson also says every game they play looks so good. No, they had some mistakes and the Islanders got some momentum a few times, but the Penguins didn't give up. He also says Jeff fucking Carter, what the actual fuck? Yes, I think that's what everyone is saying now when it comes to Jeff Carter. What the actual fuck is going on? Like I said, 12 goals in 17 games since coming over from Los Angeles. That is now three goals in three playoff games for Carter. And as I said earlier, he gives this team an element that they did not have these last few years. Now with Evgeny Malkin back, they can run four lines and beat you any way they want. Um, Clark just basically sent me Danny's tweet, you know, Shirey Irving, you know, which is in case anyone has not seen this tweet, uh, he basically just gets uh, clowned on it every day when Jeff Carter scores. Um, it says, so Boston went out and got the best player on the market as well as a solid defenseman while the Penguins traded for a 36-year-old with another year left on his deal. Yes, I'm going back to bed. That was what his tweet says. And I know, I, I mean, I love Danny. He's come on this podcast before. I shout him out all the time with how great his content is for the Pens blog. But he definitely deserves to get clowned for that. And rightfully so. But, you know, you're also talking to someone who once thought Austin Matthews was going to be on Team Canada. So, you know, I really don't have a lot of room to talk. Wesley Reed says, I think if the Penguins end up winning this series, they will be because the Peng Islanders are more concerned with trying to hurt every Penguins player they can before they even think about trying to score a goal. And it's the same reason if the Penguins lose this series. I, I do agree with that, Wesley. You know, I think if the Pens win this series, a lot of it will be because the Islanders are just not built to, you know, be play in these high goal games, especially with the Penguins who can run four lines. You know, they're also more of a running gun team than the Islanders. And, you know, the Penguins, like I said, just their just play mantra that Mike Sullivan preaches on them really stood out today, I thought. Um, and I think that might be a big reason why the Penguins uh, emerge victorious in this series if they do. Alan Teoder says, wow, good day to wear my Jeff Carter shirt for the first time. Being that I couldn't watch, it sounded like the Pens did pretty well overall despite that 3-1 blowing lead. But after all that crap, I thought the better team won. Game 5 Monday night is going to be fun. Yes. Um, even though you're only able to listen to it, out, I actually um, was only able to really listen to it for a little bit as well because I was um, at my sister's birthday dinner, but I was able to watch it a little bit on my phone, even though a few people there were a little bit mad at me. 
But yeah, I thought this was still a pretty decent game for the Penguins. Not as good as game two, but um, I think they did play well enough to win this game. Um, Alan also asks, who is the new Phil Kessel? I say it's between Carter and Tanev. It's Jeff Carter. I mean, he also was acquired in a trade. They signed Brandon Tanev, and ever since Carter has come over, he has 12 goals in 17 games. Uh, that's stuff that I, I don't even know if Phil Kessel did during his time here. I mean, he obviously was great in the 2016 playoffs and was basically a point-per-game player. Uh, but if I had to say who the next Phil Kessel is... Um, it's definitely, I think, between um, Jeff Carter. I'm trying to see if I forgot anyone else here for the listener takeaways. Um, Boss says a 4-1-2-7-2-4 pit. They can try to goon it up, but they lost two times now, so keep it up. Yeah, I think that's honestly one of the better ways to describe it. Yeah, if they want to goon it up, um, they can try to. The Penguins will just continue to score goals um, and win the games. But I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I appreciate everyone sending in their listener takeaways. Um, what a win. You know, 2-1 series lead. This team, it, it feels a lot different um, than the teams from these last few years. Now the Islanders will have to beat the Penguins three out of four times at least to win this series, which may be a tall task because the Penguins have played so well down the stretch. Um, the series is far from over. Um, I said going into this, fellas. I wanted them to get at least a split at the Nassau Coliseum. Checkmark to that. Now, if you can beat them on Saturday at 3 p.m., um, hashtag cancel the Coliseum and full swing from Wesley Euler and yours truly. You know, we had that going when I was on his show the other day. If the Penguins can come out on Saturday and punch them in the mouth a few times and win that game and go up 3-1, to one, that not only puts a strangle on them, that puts, I think, the fear of God into them that, oh, wow, you know, the Penguins might win this series and they obviously don't want to go back to Long Island as the series will shift to Pittsburgh on Monday where there's talk that um, there might be 100% capacity for that game. But like I said, check mark for at least a split at the Coliseum. Uh, but now we'll see if the Penguins can get a sweep at the Coliseum as Game 4, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. At the very least, everyone, it is a 2-2 split coming back to Pittsburgh. We obviously want it to be 3-1 coming back to Pittsburgh, but um, we have a little bit of a mission accomplished so far. I wanted them to win this game. They did, and now a lot of pressure is going to be on the Islanders to respond in Game 4. Uh, obviously, it's still going to be 50% capacity uh, at the Nassau Coliseum, but like I said... Um, there's a lot of pressure on them to win that game. So we'll see how desperate they are. And again, kudos to the Penguins for doing uh, well again against Barzell and Eberle. They both did not score again in this game. That'll do it for this episode of the Locked Penguins podcast. I hope you all liked listening to this one. I'll be back tomorrow with a couple special guests joining me um, to preview game four and talk about the circus. That was game three a little bit more in detail. But like I said, that'll do it. Hope you all liked this one. I'm sorry if I went off the rails a little bit, if I sounded like a homer or bias or anything like that. I really do apologize about that. But this game was just had everything. So um, again, appreciate you all listening and I'll be back on Friday for another episode.